Well, this is uh, Thanksgiving week, and uh, many, many thoughts come to mind uh, dealing with issues of thanks and praise to the Lord, and appreciate the music riot this morning that leads us into the throne room of God's grace and His mercy and acknowledging all that He is for us. You know, I uh, read a story about two old friends that bumped into one another on the street one day, and the one guy was looking so terribly gloomy and dejected, almost on the very verge of tears. And his friend asked him, he says, What has the world done to you, my old friend? And the fellow says, Well, let me tell you. He says, Three weeks ago, an uncle of mine passed away, and he left me $40,000. He says, Well, that's a lot of money. He says, Yeah, you don't understand, though. He says, two weeks ago, I had a great aunt who passed away, and she left me $85,000. He says, you have been so blessed. He says, why all the gloom? He says, well, last week, I I had a distant cousin who I didn't even know he passed away, and he left me $250,000. He says, I don't understand why you're so dejected. He says, well, you don't understand. This week, nothing. That's the trouble of receiving something on an ongoing basis, isn't it? Even if it's a gift, even if it's something that, uh, that, that we don't expect, if it comes regularly, we come to expect it. I think that's part of the entitlement mentality, that mindset that has permeated American society. We have been so blessed to live in a land that offers so much that uh, it's easy to, easy to become complacent and we forgive Forget to give thanks for all the things that we do have and the things that we possess. So this morning I want to call our attention to a couple of passages that I think are probably very familiar to most of you. And we're going to begin with 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. Now I would venture to uh, guess that many of you could probably quote this to us, but before you do, I want to remind you that the verse separations did not come in the original. They were not inspired, so to speak. They came for our benefit so that we can find our place and move along systematically. But, but they weren't in the original. And so as we look through this, try to dismiss that from your mind. Remember, this is all one thought moving through here. 1 Thessalonians 5, beginning in verse 16. Rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances. Why? For... This is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Rejoice, pray, give thanks. It's all one continual thought. And coupled together, this is the will of God for you in Christ Jesus. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you for the day and thank you for your word. We thank you for Christ Jesus. We thank you for the opportunity to worship together. Use your word to impact, encourage, and challenge us today, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Did you notice in what we just read that it did not say, give thanks for all circumstances? In all circumstances. No matter how terrible some of the circumstances of life may be, with God's help, there will always be something for which we can be thankful. Do you believe that? I see heads nodding. That's a good sign. I'm not sure if that's sleepiness or if that's agreement. We'll figure that out momentarily. There will always be something in each circumstance for which we can be grateful. 
Two school teachers who hadn't seen each other in several years met at a convention and they began to fill in one another on the life happenings as they visited together. One teacher says, well, I got married two years ago. And her friend said, well, that's a good thing. And she says, well, no, not really. She says, my husband is twice as old as I am. Her friend says, well, that's bad. She said, well, not really, because he is a millionaire several times over. Well, that's a good thing. Well, not really. Turns out he's really mean and stingy and he won't give me any money. Well, that's bad. He said, well, not really. He did build us a beautiful home, million-dollar home. Well, that's good. Well, not really. You see, uh, last month it burned down. Well, that's bad. Well, not really, she said with a smile. He was in it. (laughs) You see, there's always something to, to be thankful for in every circumstance. This Thanksgiving week will be... It's a very interesting time for us as a nation because our very secular government will offer up a Thanksgiving annual proclamation, the thing that our president does every year. And so our very secular government that almost chokes every time it has to say the word God will suddenly project an air of piety about it and encourage us all to be thankful for at least that one day. And Thanksgiving, you see, is kind of a unique time for us as a nation. It combines God, it combines government, and it combines society all together on that day. And it's considered perfectly acceptable, regardless of religion, to be thankful on Thanksgiving Day. Now, I don't know about you, but something about that concerns me a little bit, because when something becomes universally accepted, it usually means it has been dramatically diluted, watered down, or altered from its original purpose. For instance, you look at what has happened to that significant day of Christmas. It's been turned into not much more than an event for retailers and partygoers. We were talking on the way up here on our drive this morning about the stores that will be open on Thursday instead of on Friday. And employees that are required to show up or have their hours cut and slashed if they're not there to work their eight-hour shift on Thanksgiving Day. So I think we need some safeguards, don't we? To make sure we don't fall prey to the culture and the society that dumbs down, dilutes a day of significant thankfulness, a day that needs to be directed at gratitude to God and just becomes another day of celebration and retailing. So I'm going to offer a few safeguards this morning. This is number one. Make sure that you are thankful to the right somebody. If you're going to say thank you, you have to say thank you to somebody, and we need to make sure that it is the correct somebody. Let me tell you about Harriet Martineau. She was an atheist back in the 1800s. One day she and a friend stepped out into the glorious beauty of a fall morning. The sun was coming down through the haze, and... uh, Uh, The frost in the meadow was glistening and the brightly colored leaves were falling lazily to the ground. And she was just filled with the beauty of that moment. And so she exclaimed, I am so thankful. I am just so grateful for it all. To which her believing friend looked at her and said, Grateful to whom, my dear? Grateful to whom? 
I think that's a great question at Thanksgiving. I mean, anybody can get emotional about a, an event. But if you're really grateful, then the next question has to be, grateful to whom? King David understood the answer to that question. I invite you to turn with me to Psalms 103. And I think if anybody ever had cause to lift his voice in thanksgiving to God, it was David. Consider with me for just a moment who David was and where he came from. David was a shepherd boy. The shepherd boy became the hero of a whole nation. Here was a man who was a hunted fugitive who rose to be the king of that nation. Here is a man who was a sinner condemned, and yet he becomes known as a man after God's own heart. He had a lot to be grateful for, didn't he? And so in the very beginning of Psalms 103, he begins with these words of thanksgiving. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all, everything, all-encompassing, whatever is about me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. So I say it again, when you decide to be thankful, be sure, like King David, that you are thankful to the right somebody. The second thing, the safeguard, I think, for us is that we make sure that we thank God for the right reasons. You see, I believe God is the right somebody to offer our thanks to. He is ultimately the supplier of all things. But we also need to remember that there are certain things for which we ought to be thankful. Now, if you were to draw up your Thanksgiving list, things that you are thankful for, I Hope that maybe you'll do that before you sit down to that grand feast and maybe share some of those thoughts around the table. Some of the things that I might be thankful for would include freedom to worship. Are you grateful for the opportunity to gather here together today of your own free will without interference from those about and worship God? I've had the privilege to travel in many countries. I'm thankful for being a citizen of this nation. We can come and go as we please. We can put our name on the, on the front of the church and we can invite others in. Another thing that I have to be grateful for would be physical strength. And despite a few aches and pains that I have, yes, I, I, I just passed one of those millstone birthdays. Milestone. Milestone. It, it was my 50th. I asked my wife if I looked 50, and she said, no, but you used to. <laughs> Not really. <laughs> I'm thankful for physical blessings. Somebody said if you can count, your, fing count uh, your fingers and your toes, and if your mind is sharp enough to get that high, then thank God for your mind too. <laughs> I thank him that I can see. I thank him that... I have the agility to move from one place to another. I thank him for physical strength to accomplish what he's called me to do for today. And then I thank him for meeting my needs, supplying everything I really need. No, not necessarily everything I would like to have, but certainly everything I need and more. He is the supplier of every good and perfect gift. 
Now, I could go on and on with things, and I know you could add to that list, but I want us to look this morning at some of the things that David had on his Thanksgiving list from Psalms 103. In verse 3, he begins, Who forgives your iniquity, who heals your diseases. God is a forgiving God. And the first thing on David's Thanksgiving list is that he serves a God who forgives. I marvel at that. David put that at the top of his list. It was the most important thing in his mind. He didn't come and say, wow, God, I want to thank you for making me the king. I think that's what I would have done. That'd be pretty awesome. Be the king? Wow. Thanks, God. I like this. Power, control, money, influence. No. He starts with forgiveness of sin. He doesn't mention how Israel had become the strongest nation in the world during his reign. He mentions, first of all, thanks to God for forgiveness of sin. That has got to be the most precious gift that any of us could ever receive. Do you believe that? God, through Jesus Christ, has provided a way for our sins to be forgiven, washed away for the consequence of our sin to disappear under the blood of the Lord Jesus. And that is ours if we accept it. He goes on in verse 3 and he says that, that he heals your diseases. You know, we have a God who always does what is best for us. David, I don't think he knew a whole lot about germs and, and infections and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, he probably experienced them, but the scientific background and all the things that we know today, the technology and all that, that was foreign to him. But he did know this, that when the people of Israel obeyed God, they didn't have all the plagues that laid waste the nations around them. And when troubles did arise... And they cried out to God. David knew that his God was always there to help. And God responded. You see, we may not always understand everything that happens in life, but I'm convinced that God is still the great physician. And God knows my deepest needs better than I even know them. And whether my need is physical, whether my need is emotional, psychological, spiritual, God knows my need, and God is always able to do what is best for me. And I'm grateful that, for that, are you not? Verse 4, David goes on, and he says that God redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with love and compassion. God heaped that upon David even in times of despair. Has God done that for you lately? Have you acknowledged it? Have you recognized his hand working in your life? Verse 5 says that he satisfies your desire with good things. Every good and perfect gift comes from above, doesn't it? From the Father of lights with whom there is no variation, no shadow of turning. God doesn't change. His nature, his character is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. That is the God that we serve. And he does good things for us. He satisfies our desires as we tune our desires and our thoughts to the things that are consistent with his nature and his character. He delights him to bring those to fulfillment. You know, almost everybody is uh, 
searching for a fountain of youth. And this says that your youth is renewed like the eagle. I'm a realist. I understand when I get up in the morning and I go look in the mirror that I wasn't born with gray hair. I call this my mark of extinction, distinction. <laughs> I've earned every one, trust me. <laughs> but Paul probably explained it best when he said, we are wasting away on the outside, but inside we are renewed day by day. Why? Because this world isn't our home, it's not our focus, it's not the fulfillment of our desire. For those that love and walk with the Lord Jesus, it's being with Him, seeing Him face to face. We look at King David and his Thanksgiving list, and maybe you can place yourself there and say, yeah, I want to add that to my list. And I can combine mine together with his. Let me get back to some safeguards. I've got one more that we need to, to keep in mind. We need to keep praising God, even amidst bad, difficult circumstances. As God's people, we can still praise God when things don't go according to our plan and our purpose. You know, not everybody is sharing in our joy and thanksgiving. There are many who are suffering. I appreciate seeing the prayer list put out in the bulletin. It gives us an opportunity to minister to those in need and to let them know that we care about them and we're supporting them. Yes, in prayers and hopefully in intangible ways as well. And as you put your list together, there's likely people who are anticipating surgery, maybe some who are facing a terminal illness, maybe some who are facing some difficult family issues, maybe spousal conflicts, maybe some wayward kids, maybe some, some difficulties in transition with parents, maybe some financial problems. In fact, if the truth were known, almost everybody in this room is suffering in one way or another. And if not today... Probably tomorrow. In fact, Job said in chapter 5, verse 7, every man is born to trouble, just as the sparks fly upward. In other words, it's just the course of life. It's the routine. It's the expected thing. In fact, Paul, in, in Romans 5, he told us to rejoice when troubles come. I know that's not our typical response. But he says you can do it because you know what God is accomplishing in the midst of it. Rejoice in tribulation, knowing that that brings about perseverance, and perseverance brings proven character, and proven character brings about that hope, that confident expectation that it's based on the love of God. So even though bad things happen to God's people, you can give praise and thanksgiving to Him, can't we? Even though bad things happen to God's people, we can still give praise and thanksgiving to Him, can't we? I thought so. <laughs> oh, the question would be then, why? If you say that so adamantly, why can we give thanks to Him? And I would say this, because God's people never suffer alone. That should give you encouragement today. Say this with me, would you? From Psalms 23. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Did you hear that? Thou art with me. 
Thou? Who's the thou? It's a capital T. It's God. It's Jehovah. He is with us. He says, you are with me. You are out there somewhere? No. You are with. With, together, by my side. We are one. And God is that one with me. Personal. Not, not generic. Not that church. Not those people. Not the Christians. Me. So regardless of what I'm going through, whatever I'm struggling with, I have that confidence, that knowledge that God is with me. How many times, I can't tell you, I've been in a hospital and I've prayed with people going through surgery or coming out of surgery and struggling with things. And I said, remember Hebrews, I am with you always. I will never leave you or forsake you. So even though you're in that room all alone, and the nurse stops by every two or four hours to wake you up and poke and prod, God is with you. Jesus said, I'll never leave you or forsake you. That's his promise to us. No, we're not the only ones struggling. People who have never darkened the door of the church are hurting too. People who never lift a voice in praise are hurting too. The great difference is when we hurt, God is there to help us through those difficult moments of life. Back in Exodus chapter 2, verse 24, it says, God heard their groaning, speaking of the Israelites, and he remembered his covenant with Abraham, with Isaac, and with Jacob. I, I like that because God has a better memory than I do. See, I, I can hear a name and five minutes later, I, I, I forgot it. I, I have friends that, you know, used to be a part of our lives, and they move away, and they're out of sight and out of mind, and then you see them again, and you go... What is their name? And that's why God gave me a great memory. It's called a wife. <laughs> but the God of the universe, despite the billions of people in this world, knows them all by name. He even knows how many hairs are on your head. How many used to be on your head. He heard the groanings of Israel. He remembered the covenant he'd made with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And in Exodus 3, beginning in verse 7, the Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of the people in Egypt. I have heard them crying out because of their slave drivers. I am concerned about their suffering. Don't ever think that God doesn't care. I am concerned for their suffering, and so what am I going to do about it? He says, so I have come down to rescue them. God says, I hear every cry that comes from the lips of my people. Every prayer that is uttered from the depths of their heart. I'm concerned about their tears. I'm concerned about their sufferings. And I'm reaching down to rescue them, to raise them up. It's for His glory and our blessing. You know, it's been my experience, maybe yours as well, that when your kids or your grandkids are hurting the time that you are most eloquently able to communicate your love and concern to them is in that moment, isn't it? We can't stand to see them hurting, and so we scoop them up in our arms. Or if they're too big for that, you express it verbally, your, your care and your concern. We want them to know that as they hurt, that, that we share in that pain. Some of my greatest moments with God have been the times when I have hurt the most, when I have felt empty, when I have felt vulnerable, and I've cried out from the depths of my soul to find that 
God is there. God is faithful. God is keeping his promises. That's his character. That's his nature. As we draw this to a close this morning, maybe you're going through some difficulties and some trials, and maybe you're doing it without the help of Jesus. And I want you to know this today. You don't have to continue down that lonesome road any longer. God sent his son into the world. The sacrifice is complete, and he did it for you, and he did it for me. And he offers you the opportunity this morning for the forgiveness of your sins through the precious blood of Jesus Christ. It is a free gift, but just like any gift, it has to be received. It's not yours until you take it. You can begin your list of blessing this Thursday as David did, saying, I thank God that he has forgiven me of all my sins and removed the guilt, removed the consequences. But you can only say that if you have received him as your personal Lord and Savior. Have you done that? Can you point to a time and say, that is when I acknowledge before God my sin and my guilt and his holiness, and I acknowledge that he is capable and he is able to forgive me of my sin? He bore it on the cross. He paid the price. It's been dealt with. You need to turn it over to him. And in that moment, when you confess that sin and receive him as your Savior, the sin is washed away. The guilt is gone. The consequences of sin, which is eternal separation from God, that's eternal death. That's gone too when you receive him as your Savior. Instead, you receive him as your forever friend that never leaves you, never forsakes you. You receive him and you live with him for eternity. Beginning today, not just in some future day, it begins today when you receive him. And it continues on past the moment you pass from this life into eternity. And you'll be at his right hand where there are pleasures forevermore. Can you thank God, as David did, that you have the forgiveness of sins? It's the most important thing that needs to be dealt with. That's the place to begin. Once that relationship with Christ has been established, that leads to a grateful spirit that sees God's hand in every circumstance. We can rejoice despite difficulties because we understand that God is sovereign and He uses every circumstances to conform me to the image of His Son. You know Romans 8, I'm sure many of you have memorized it. All things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to His purpose. But don't stop there. Go right into verse 29 because it describes for us what the good thing is. He says, for those He foreknew, He predestined to be conformed to the image of His Son. That's the good thing. He's using all of those circumstances to conform you to the image of the Lord Jesus. That's why we can give thanks despite the circumstance, because we're being conformed into his image. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you for the day. We thank you for your word. The word that declares to us, reveals to us the Lord Jesus. Lord, if there are those that don't know you as personal Lord and Savior today, I pray that today might be the day that they come to you, coming in humility and in faith and receiving you as Savior and Lord. Lord, for those who may be 
struggling with various difficulties today. We pray your mercy and your encouragement on them. We pray, Father, that you would use those circumstances to draw them ever closer to you, to reveal your character and your nature in ways that they have not seen before, to understand you for who you are, the God who never fails, the God who never leaves us, never forsakes us. Lord, we give you thanks today. In the name of the Lord Jesus, in his name, God's people said, Amen.